Hello, and welcome to Inside Exams. I'm Craig Barton, a long-serving maths teacher. I might have 15 years of classroom experience under my belt, but I can't say I always feel clued up on exams. So, across this series, I'm meeting the people who organise, write and mark national qualifications to gather information that would make our otherwise pretty hectic lives as teachers a little bit easier. I've got an Access All Areas Pass. So, what is it you'd like to learn more about? I'm Victoria and I teach modern languages and we've heard that those who mark are trained to mark to the same standard but we were wondering who gets to decide on the standard and what are those decisions based on. Yeah, I think you've hit on something really important here Victoria. We have to feel safe in the knowledge that our students won't be disadvantaged or advantaged as a result of which examiner is randomly assigned to mark their paper. I'll tell you what this makes me think of. When I walk into a fast food chain, I want to feel safe in the knowledge that I'm getting the same delicious patty and gherkin combo regardless of who's on shift that day or which part of the country I'm in. I'm paying the same amount of money, so I don't want to be shortchanged because somebody's ability to salt fries isn't up to standard. Huge businesses like that must have to relay a minute level of detail to franchisees across the globe. So surely similar principles apply to big organisations like exam boards. I'm going to sit down with AQA Preparation and Support Manager Ian White and Preparation Coordinator Joe Harland to find out exactly how examiners are trained to guarantee they'll all end up marking to the same standard. Ian and Joe, first off, thank you for inviting me to AQA Towers to discuss standardisation. Now, as a maths teacher, there are a few things in life that make me happier than some number-based facts. And you sent some absolute crackers through about standardisation that I want the listeners to hear. So here we go. 16,166 examiners attended 920 standardisation meetings. 2,779 examiners attended 370 seeding meetings. 6,289 examiners attended 316 training events. 30,000 examiners standardised online. 7,400 teachers standardised online. Line. And here's my favourite, approximately 60,000 biscuits consumed by examiners at meetings. So my first question is, what type of biscuits are they eating? Well, we have a selection. I think the favourite is generally the chocolate chip. Yeah, very um, good choice. Good choice. I get ginger nuts. Oh, nice. You get them in Manchester, we don't get them in Guildford. <laughs> <laughs> different biscuits, different tastes. Superb. Now, we are going to dive very deep in terms of standardisation. I want to get to grips with the process. But before we start, this may be a really stupid question, but what does standardisation mean and, and why do we need it? The purpose of standardisation is, is quite simple. It's just to establish a common standard of marking. It's the preparation that all examiners or moderators will do before they mark in one of the, largely the summer series where most of the marking is done, but in any of the series. It ensures all the examiners understand the mark scheme that will have been produced when they produce the, the question paper and that they can apply it accurately. You know, apply that consistently to the students' work. Standardisation is essential in making sure that we get the, the correct marks to the right students and that they're awarded fairly and consistently across the subjects and the question papers. Already I'm sensing this is going to be quite a complex process. Mm. Um, Am I right in saying there's not even just one type of standardisation? We've got examiner, moderator and teacher. Is is that right? 
Yes. Um, so we have the examiner standardisation, which takes place just after when students have sat the exams in May, June time. Then we have moderator standardisation that happens before that. And that is for subjects which have internally assessed components to them to make sure that we are consistently moderating them as well. We also have teacher standardisation, which is completed by the teachers, again, which is just for internally assessed components. Now, I'm sensing um, there seems to be a lot of people involved in this standardisation process. Can, can you just go through some of those people and what, what role they play in this? Basically, for a team of markers, there's a, there's a hierarchy. Okay. So at the top, there's a, there's a lead examiner. They may or may not have been involved in writing the question paper. Some are lead assessment writers and, and some of them aren't. Depending on the size of the panel, and our largest, I think, is is English language, over 600,000 entries, hundreds and hundreds of of examiners, isn't it? I would say just below 1,000 examiners for the English language and English literature papers. We've got a lead examiner in terms of a marking panel. So a general marking panel, you've got a lead examiner. If it's large enough, then you'll have a set of assistant lead examiners, then you have team leaders, and then you have examiners. Okay. There's a chief and there's a chair as well. Oof, God, I'm, I'm picturing this hierarchy in my head here. We've got the lead examiners. Where does chief and chair fit? Who's, who's winning that one? In terms of marking, the lead examiner is... They're the top dog. They're the top. The chief and chair come into their own more looking across the subjects and also they're, they're involved in the question paper production process, aren't they? Yeah, so what when you say subjects, obviously there's a variety of components underneath a subject. So the chair and chief will cover all those subjects and may even be a lead examiner on one of the components within the subject. So they are a, a knowledgeable part of the big pyramid hierarchy. Well, I can hold off no longer. I want to know about this process of standardisation from start to finish. Now, don't hold back on me. Go as deep and as detailed as you like. As a teacher, I'm fascinated by standardisation because... I want to ensure that when my kids sit a paper that they're fairly judged on on, on what, what response they've given and, and they get the credit that they deserve and every teacher listening will want the same thing. So how, how does it all start, standardisation? It starts with script selection. So the idea is that we select a set of Largely, it doesn't sound a lot, but largely five standardisation scripts. Okay. But those scripts should reflect various levels of response and across the, the topics. So and this is the after topics. they've been marked, is that right? No, this is, this, is, this is right at the very beginning when the students oh. have first completed the scripts. So there's then, generally speaking, a small team. It can either just be the lead examiner or it's a team of senior examiners based on the size of the panel. Yes. And they will be preparing for that standardisation window, preparing the materials that the examiners will be expected to mark to help them understand the standard and internalise the mark scheme. Okay. I'll pass off to Joe for how that process works. Wow, okay, go Joe. Yeah, so what what I'll add in as well is that it's really important that we select clear responses. Yes. So as Ian mentioned, you want a variety of levels, but you also want to have clear examples of them. So the aim is not to trip anybody up. So what we do is we get the scripts in, the lead examiner with maybe a senior team selects the scripts and then what we do is, depending on the hierarchy, if there's an assistant lead examiner, what we have is a pre-pre-standardisation meeting. (laughs) All right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And what happens there is you get the assistant principal examiner and the lead examiner in a room 
and they start to work through the standardisation scripts with support from the lead examiner to make sure that they are clearly understanding the mark scheme. But also there might also be some discussion about the mark scheme depending on the responses that we get back from the candidates. Because even though the mark scheme is produced before Mm. the exam is set, you never know what a student is going to respond with. But it's really important that we capture that and add that into the mark scheme to support with fairly standardising all the different responses that we get. Can I ask a really daft question at this point, Joe? I'm still not clear how you've selected these scripts. Mm. Again, if they haven't been marked, but you're looking for kind of different levels of response. So how does that happen? So what the lead examiner would do is they'd have access to hundreds, maybe even up to a thousand scripts, and they will look through them and they will decide which ones show good examples of the variety of responses. So it's up to the lead examiner to choose those standardisation scripts. Got it. So they're flicking through electronically and again, a bit of a sense. Yeah. Of, um, you can pr- pretty much see this child perhaps has made a few mistakes, not answered all the questions, whereas this one looks like they've nailed it. So we get in the range that way. Mm. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> okay, so we've got my scripts. Um, I'm in my pre-pre-meeting. I'm having a load of biscuits. Um, what, what What's happening next? We also, apart from the five stand scripts, they'll also, if it's marked electronically, will set, uh, select a set of seeds. On some of the systems, they have separate seeding meetings. Some of the platforms, seeding's kind of built into okay. standardisation. Rather than there being a definitive mark, so the lead examiner says, right, okay, this this question, it, it should be, you know, 12. Uh, the, the response that's given me is definite a definite 12 out of 30, say. Right, okay. So long answer question, say yes. something like, like that. English or something, something like that. Something like that. Um, now, we have a tendency to say that there's definitely a range of unacceptable marks, but there would also be a range of acceptable marks. So, oh, wow. Because uh, particularly if something's subjective, so on both our stand scripts and our seeds, they will be marked and they will have a range of acceptable values. So the idea is that with those scripts, yes, they'll mark them how they feel they would mark them, if it's a larger panel, that, that can be a bit of a collaborative and a collective discussion. I bet that's all kicking off in those meetings, uh, isn't it? I, I don't want to name out any subjects, but yes, psychologists take a long time to make a decision. <laughs> um, I would argue from my own experience, and, and God bless them for doing it because they, sure, they get to the right sure. one. But it, there's a, yeah, I mean, the, the importance here and where we're working with these, um, and, our, and, and just to describe our senior team, mm. tend to be very experienced teachers. Some of them are still teaching or, or some of them are retired, and they have an absolute passion for their subject. Yeah, I bet. And I can certainly tell you that they, they've all got their own different personalities as the question papers are different for the subjects. Yes, I yes. used to work in, in science and I can tell you definitely that y- your chemists, your biologists and your physicists are very different people. Right, okay. And, you know, we need to, to make sure that we can provide the same level of service and make sure that we're getting the right results for the students across the all these different subjects. Yes. I mean, art and design is completely oh, different different a different absolutely. beast absolutely but the idea is that they'll they will agree in that pre-pre this range of acceptable marks for that particular script yes and then when the stand window opens the examiners or moderators would would mark those scripts cleanly so they don't can't see obviously what, um, what and the indiv- marks are individually i assume yeah individually yep. absolutely uh, most of them will be doing it at home in a two day window mm-hmm. that we've we've notified and they've agreed that they would do it within and once they, they've marked 
all of those five scripts, they press a button and they get told whether they've answered all the individual items with intolerance or wow. not. Some they will have passed. There'll be tolerances on, say, on individual items and also on the total mark. At that point, even if they've marked all of them correctly and you know, part of the process is that they won't have done. Yeah, of course. They will, they will then be shown the range of marks or the definitive marks and the comments that those seniors would have given it to explain why those marks should be given. So there's a self-serve learning process yes, going on there. Yes. And then also what will happen is their supervisor, so if they've got a team leader, um, they'll be in contact with them and they'll, they'll talk them through that. At that point, and again, we're... Basing this on, on the, our most experienced examiners, our, our, the supervisors, the team leaders, the assistant lead examiners, lead examiners, on their judgment, they will decide whether that person is has understood the standards mm. and can start marking. And that's at the point that a button is pressed largely or a telephone call is said, yes, you can you can start marking the bits of paper again. They, they go ahead and, and they start marking at that. We've mentioned annotations. What does that actually look like? Can you give us some examples? The different marking panels will have different sets of annotations. The annotations is literally quite often acronyms, I'm afraid. <laughs> of course. Um, that the, the markers will use. Can you uh, give us some acronyms? It, well, like BOD. Oh, this could be a little game for our listeners here. B- we, we, we tend to do this. There are hundreds that you BOD. can use. Benefit of the doubt. Nice, I like it, I like um, it. So the, there's there's lots of these, and the mathematicians really use some really bespoke ones. Yeah. And you can go from some panels that will use, a, you know, have maybe 10. As an ideal rule, and our guidance to our examiners to use a limited amount, particularly for electronic marking now, they used to use quite a lot when it when they're marking on paper, and that's, that's fine. And that's when we, we tend to have something called a model mark script to explain that, because when people are marking at home, obviously you can't see what they're yes. using. When they're marking electronically, the lead examiner will agree a set of these annotations and tools as well. So things where you can underline squiggly lines is a big one. Uh, a tick with a with you know different types of ticks. There's you, I, I never knew this there was is a such mi- a variety of ticks in the world, but there are a lot of that different mean different ticks. things. That will mean different things. So you've got AO, which is assessment objective. A classic. Yep. Or you've got AC, which is your assessment criteria. Nice. I like it. I'm just thinking of annotations I've used myself whenever I can't quite understand what a kid's done. WTF springs to mind. What I would say is as part of the, the pre-standardisation process, the, the standardisation scripts and the seeds are, are double, triple checked. They're checked yes, by the senior team. Yes, yes. There'll be clerical checks done by, by our own teams. I know that, I mean... Whenever we sit down as a department and try and do essentially a bit of internal standardization, whether we're marking some longer form project or whether we're doing some kind of mock exam, wherever we've got kind of five or six mark questions, it, it, it's all kicking off there. We, we can't agree. And this is as mathematicians where there's supposed to be kind of right or wrong answers. It must be a night. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, English, I don't even know where to start. But then you mentioned art. Like, how on you, there must be so many back and forths. I'd be failing things left, right, and if I'm trying to mark this. How does it work in those other subjects? They tend to have a, a wider right, okay. tolerance. How wide are we talking? Can you um, think kind of percent terms? Well, we... you don't really want to go... If you're looking at a total mark, you don't really want to go 5% much no, either, of, either of way. Of course, because again, so we're relative, back to disadvantaging kids. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it is. The, 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 the difference that they do for subjects like English is they deal with that issue... On, on the mark scheme. So they have a level of response mark right, scheme. It's very okay. different to, to maths. 
where the largely is a definitive. Mm. Although having said that, with A-level further maths, I find that actually certainly the workings out can, can open to debate. I can and, imagine. And, oh, uh, and, I can and, well imagine. You know, um, and what I would say for the mathematicians is uh, they like an annotation. Whereas on English, they would tend to use probably tick and comments. And that would p- probably be it because that's the way that you, yes. you can explain it. Uh, what I know that they talk about a lot is ranking, putting things in rank order. Yes, yes. And I think especially when, you, as a teacher, one of the things we look for is obviously experienced teachers when we employ people because that's how you get to understand the ranking order, especially when it comes to English scripts. So then you can understand the standardisation yes. to a degree. You mentioned the standardisation for teachers that mm. you'd like to talk about. Just, just, just talk to me about that. Yeah, so one of the services we provide to the teachers is teacher standardisation and it's really important because it allows teachers to understand the standard of what they need to do when marking internally assessed work or coursework as it might be more widely known and there's two ways we do that we've got teacher online standardisation and we have face-to-face teacher standardisation and the main difference about moderator standardisation is that you're marking teachers work which has already been marked by the teacher so I know Ian mentioned earlier that they use clean scripts for examined that's actually a bit different for moderated because what you're doing is you need the moderators to be able to look at the marks the teacher has done Mm. and make a decision of whether that is the right mark for that piece of work and the main aim is obviously that they will agree with the teacher because what they do for moderator is they don't mark all the pieces of work they mark a sample which is a mixture of the high, the medium and the lows. So it is really important that it gets done right first time. So now I'll hand over to Ian to go through the exhibition. The exhibition, yeah, that sounds so, exciting. So for obviously for, for art and design, the whole process is very different. Mm. We we can't mark electronically. Yes. We can't, you can't, I mean, as, as good as computers are these days, you can't scan a, a piece of textile and put it on and it of be course, marked. Of course, of course. You yes. know, fairly or correctly. To ensure that the that the moderators again are, are standardised before they're, they're sampling the schools and the students' work, normally uh, a little bit earlier for moderation is that we carry out the moderation standardisation. We have meetings in Manchester and in London, and you're looking at hundreds of moderators across Manchester and, and the London area. Largely, that will be a lot of them will be. Um, assessing this work and so effectively what we need to do is we need to put together a, a traveling art exhibition nice because for cross art and design the, there are many different forms of art that can be produced yes they literally they go around in teams and they stand in front of it and they mark it wow and then they all come back to the room and then they have a, a really good discussion. Ian and Joe, this has been an absolute pleasure. This once again, this is an area of the examination process I didn't know enough about. And yet it's one of the most important ones because again, we're whether we're teachers, whether we're involved with the awarding bodies, we all want the same thing. We want our students to be judged fairly on what they've produced. And standardisation is an absolutely key part of that. So thank you so much for inviting me to AQA today to mm. talk all things standardisation. Thank you. Lovely to speak to you. Yeah, you're very welcome. All the best. The thing is, before our students reach the exam hall, they'll be relying on our marking throughout the year to gauge their performance compared to their peers. So, do we need to be actively standardising our own marking to make sure we're being fair to all our students? 
Ryan Wilson is a former head of English and assistant head. And I want to talk to him about how subject teams in schools can ensure consistent marking within the department and also against the exam board standard. Ryan, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Now, we've spoken before to Ian and Joe from from AQA, and they've told me loads about the standardisation process that happens with their examiners and their team. What I'm fascinated about is standardisation within normal teaching, within Mm. normal lessons. So first off, how important is it for you to maintain a, a standard of marking for all pupils in your class? It's absolutely fundamental to have a sense of the standard that the work is going to be marked at. Because the way schools are at the moment, as you will know, is that they like data. Yes, <laughs> oh God almighty, <laughs> And we could have a discussion about whether it's right or wrong that teachers are asked for data mm. so often. But I think for as long as that's the case, we might as well try and make that data useful. Yes. And so if you don't know at what level a student in your class is working, then how can you know who's underperforming? How can mm. you know who... Other ones need that need more attention. So I think if you if you don't have a sense of what standard each student in your class is working at, then I'd say it's difficult to be as good a teacher as you could be. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a strong claim, but I, th- I think I'm with you there. Mm. And would I be right in saying that that that's true outside of your class, across your department mm. as well? You need that same standard. I think that's absolutely true, and it's really hard. I mean, I'm I'm a maths yeah. teacher, and yeah. I have a flipping nightmare. Any <laughs> anything above two marks, um, anything could happen um, it, when it, when it comes to trying to yeah. get a consistent standard. But you've got essay questions, mm. you've got long answered questions. Mm. What are some of the specific obstacles that stand in your way of, of of getting this consistent standard in marking? When I was head of English, I had a big team. Mm. I think there were something like fifteen or sixteen teachers. Wow, and people just approach marking essay (laughs) questions in very different ways. What kind of ways? Well, it's funny. There used to be people on the team who would say, almost as a badge of honour, that they were a harsh marker. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know those types. Yeah. But you should do my head in. I would say, what you're saying is that you're a wrong marker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, particularly I'm old enough to to remember the days of coursework and controlled assessments. And that was the last thing as a head of English you wanted to hear, that somebody was a hard marker. You think, don't deprive the the students of those marks. But I think the other thing that's important to say is that in those long answer questions, you know, I, for AQA, examine English literature. And one of the things we always say in our meetings is that there's no single right mark. See, that, that is not music to my ears, that, hey, because that, that is just a minefield. It hey? is a minefield. But I think it's more of a minefield to claim that there is. Right, because, okay. Because okay. then that's when teachers start getting stressed and anxious yes. and worried that they haven't got the right mark. Yes. And the fact is that there can never be a single right mark. And what, what Ofqual say is that there's a range of possible fair marks. Right, And it's okay. up to the teacher how they justify that. And I think that that's really helpful to remember when you're working with your teams. When I work with teachers and we look at examples of, of students' work and, and I ask them, you know, what mark do you think this would get? Everybody breathes a sigh of relief when you say there is no right answer yes, here. There, yes. there might be wrong answers. Right, okay. There, there will yes. be wrong answers, yeah, yeah. but there's no single 
right, Mark? I'm just I'm just thinking here because I'm picturing our maths departmental meetings mm. whenever we come across a four mark question, and what mm. what we tend to do is we'll um, we'll project up a um, a sample student response on the board, and we'll all play the game. How many marks would you give this response? Now this is maths teachers. We've only got f- well five marks to play with: zero, one, two, three, mm. or four. And you can guarantee at least three of those marks will come up um, within discussion, and people are quite passionate about it. And even when you see the mark scheme next to it so you're not even like guessing in the dark here people are saying that well of course it's three marks i'm like is it heck three marks definitely two marks now this is a four mark maths question what are some of these discussions like in in, in english departmental meetings and, and english teachers aren't known for uh for holding back in absolutely in our opinions yeah i think you're absolutely right and and people feel very strongly on it the way we cope with it um, mm. in AQA which is also what we did in, in my department mm. was that you let everybody have their say yeah. and then you have somebody who's in charge in at AQA that's the principal examiner mm. everybody has their say and you have somebody who takes the decision at the end of the day right. and there was a phrase which we sometimes use which I find quite helpful also in the department which was okay you might not have given it the mark that we're deciding yes but can you live with it? Oh, can you live okay? I like that, yes. <laughs> I, can I like you go that. home and have your dinner and go to bed and not be worrying <laughs> right, about right. that mark? And that, and that was something that we find useful and people yes. generally say, you know, yes, I can live with it. And there's also a whole other level of that's if we're looking at, you know, say an anonymous piece of work. Mm-hmm. I think when you're moderating work that's already been marked, which is another thing we often do in departments, yes, people yes. bring their, yes. you know, it used to be marked coursework, it might be marked mocks mm, these days mm, and yep. put them all down on a big table. And you're having to have that conversation where you're saying to somebody, actually, I don't necessarily agree with the mark that you've given that. Yes. And then that's also difficult. And again, people are understandably defensive of the marks yes. that they've given. That's human nature. What I tried to remember when I was hearing ish all the time was, Firstly, most people want to get it right. Yes. I mean, most teachers want to get their marking right. That's that's sort of the starting point. And secondly, to understand that people are anxious about mm. making themselves vulnerable mm. and putting their mark out there and saying, this is what I would give this. That's, yes. you know, on a human level, that's a vulnerable thing to do. Yes. And to try and respond to it in, in that way, because ultimately, you'd, you know, you do have to have that conversation. But I think there's ways you can do it that are sympathetic. And we always said, if you think somebody's mark's wrong, get a second opinion as well. Mm. Otherwise, you might just have one person who's wrong changing it <laughs> changing yeah, it to course, their wrong mark. Of course. Do you find that you mark other teachers' students' work different to your own? And again, the reason I ask this is that's often something we've experimented as as a maths department yeah. because you, you kind of, you're forced to be a bit more objective, I think, when you're yeah. marking someone who you don't teach. Is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really true. And again, maybe it depends what the point of the marking is. Mm. If you're looking for that exactly where the student's working at, then I think it's best to blind mark. Because for the reasons that I guess we were hinting at earlier, that if you teach a class, you'll know a student who's worked really, really hard. And it's tempting then, subconsciously or otherwise, <laughs> to to give them... A, extra marks for what yeah, they've done because absolutely. you know they've worked so hard absolutely yes um and all those other facts you know that they've you know they've come from a difficult home background yes, or you know, yes, you know all those things yes. are in your mind when you're marking their work yes so i think if you want an absolutely accurate representation mm. of exactly mm. where they're working then mm. i think you're right it's it's good to blind mark 
but you don't necessarily want that for every single piece of yes. work, perhaps. And it must be, as a, as a rough rule of thumb, the more marks available for a single mm. piece of something, the more difficult it is to standardise. That, that seems fair, does it? Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, we mark out of, in English literature, we mark out of 30. Um, Jeez. Split into six levels. The process that I find most helpful and what I say if, we're, if I'm training people to mark for AQA is, well, you first of all work out which level it's in. Yes. And that's not too difficult because, okay. you know, at level one, they're kind of retelling the story. At level two, they're maybe adding some quotations ah, to that. So this isn't the kind of specifics. It's just a general feel, is it, from, exactly. from the full piece? And then once you've got a level, yes, you might decide, let's say it's in level three which is 11 to 15 marks and then you're just deciding how secure is it within that level yes so you break it down a little bit rather than trying that's interesting and um, i just want to want to go practical then so we're, we're let's imagine you're working with your department mm. and you're trying to improve this standardization process well we know it's important we want the kids to be getting the marks that they deserve and it shouldn't matter whose class they're in or who's marking their work they should be getting essentially the same mark at the end of the day what are some of the practical ways that you help that happen i don't think there's anything better than a an actual piece of work that's been marked with justifications to use with your team or with your students it's so powerful isn't it uh, absolutely and aqa provides full marks answers which i think have their role and are really useful but actually kids love nothing better than getting some work that they can critique yeah, and absolutely. so why do you do this or you know absolutely um, and it can work really well in lessons i think so you come back to your department with you've got these incredible resources you've got these kids work that you know how it's been officially marked and why and so on what are the practicalities of running that meeting is it everybody has a go on their own or do you work in pairs well what what do you find works best yeah i mean i've done it different ways what i've sometimes done is gather groups of teachers mm -hmm. to look at responses in at particular levels mm -hmm. so it might have a group of teachers looking at level five and six that's going to be grades seven eight nine responses right, okay. yes um another group looking at level three and four and another group looking at one and two and then they kind of feed back and teach the rest of the department about the ones that they've particularly been studying yes i think whatever you do you want to just avoid putting people on the spot of what mark would you have given this yes because that just makes people feel uncomfortable and exposed and there's no need for that. Yes. It's a learning exercise. You know, again, working with teachers through AQA, that's the thing that people fear that you're going to be asked of on the course. spot. What mark would you have given this? Absolutely. And it can almost um, be a bit, it's quite a, it can be quite a fun process, can't it? I mean, yeah. again, I'm an absolute nerd for this kind of stuff, but yeah. essentially it's a bit of a game trying to guess what mark this got given and why it was given it and so on and so forth. It's, it's fun and really enlightening, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely can be. Here's a question for you. Where does, um, if anywhere, where does then this notion of comparative judgment fit into this? Because what we found dabbling is that whilst it can be quite difficult even in mathematics to assign a mark to a four or five mark question what's a lot easier is certainly to say well this is a better answer than this answer and this notion of getting a bit of a rank first before assigning marks we found just in small scale experiments seems to be quite um it seems to improve mm. the process mm -hmm. a little bit have, have you dabbled and have you found this or not I think that's really true, and particularly when you're working with new teachers, marking is one of the areas that they often yes. find very intimidating, and they're worried, particularly if they've got exam classes about 
getting it wrong. Yes. And actually, again, one of the things that, that I often say to new teachers is all we're doing is putting them in a rank order. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> um, absolutely. Against the mark scheme. Yes. Um, and I think you're exactly right that, that, that that's a useful way of doing that. And again, with NQTs or, or even trainee teachers, the thing I always start with when we talk about marking is, well, here's five essays. Do you want to just go and read them and come back and we'll talk about what rank order you put them in? Yes. And then we can talk about, well, this one's level six, this one's level five, level four, level three. Yes. And they've done it themselves without even knowing what they were doing. Yes. Um, and it takes away all that mystery and um, and fear. Do you find in English that the, the mark schemes can be quite difficult to follow? Mm. Is it a bit of an art form? And, and, and how can, particularly we've mentioned inexperienced mm. teachers, how can teachers get better at interpreting mm. the mark scheme? I think they, they are necessarily a little bit difficult, and I'm sure English is not the only subject this applies to, but they tend to be, you know, at level six, there's excellent analysis. At level <laughs> yeah. five, there's very good analysis. And obviously one person's excellent Absolutely. is another person's very good. Yes, yes. So I just think there's no substitute for looking at, at marked students' work. And of mm. course, now you can get mm. back students' work as well after the exam series. Yes. So you can um, get their actual exam paper back and you can have as many exemplars there as you want. Yes. And that's also helpful, I think. Let's talk specifically about being an examiner. How did you find it helped first with your own teaching? Mm. What were some of the practical ways mm. that it improved your own teaching? I think it gives you confidence because... You've seen how the process works. You've seen real examples of students' work. Mm. And I just feel going into the classroom that I feel I know what I'm doing mm. <laughs> more yes. so yes, yes. Than, than before I examined. I also think it's useful for dealing with misconceptions. Okay. Because with English literature, and again, I'm sure this is the case with all subjects, there are so many rumours spreading on Twitter and <laughs> social media yeah. about what examiners are looking for yes we have ao3 which is ideas and context and there was a, a really widely held belief amongst teachers and therefore students that they had to write a chunk of history in every in every literature essay all right they okay. had to have a you know a bit about whatever it was the battle of hastings right. or whatever and from marking i just knew that that's not true right right <laughs> yes um so it helps for i think with dealing with misconceptions and also the kids quite like it. The kids yeah. quite like it when you say that, you know, I'm not going to be marking yours, but I'm going to be marking. I think it gives them a sort of a confidence in you as, as well. What about the practical benefits to your department and to, to other colleagues of you being an examiner? I'm a little bit biased on it, obviously, but <laughs> I feel that every department should have at least one marker mm. because it's absolutely invaluable. Yeah. For all the reasons that we talked about, having a, a standard across the department is important because... So it underpins so much of what we, of the work of the department of the school. Yes. And if you've got somebody who's got the authority and the confidence mm -hmm. to go in and say, well, actually, this is what they're looking. This is what yes. they're looking for. This is the way it's marked. This is what I learned yes. from the principal examiner yes. themselves. Then that's massive for a department. I agree. and they've access to the resources as well. Absolutely, that they, can, they can bring in. So, so to, to kind of wrap up and think of practical things here. So one thing we're definitely saying is if possible, either you or one of your colleagues in the department mm. sign up to be a marker because it's yeah. going to be great for you. It's going to be great for your department. In the short term, if people can't do that, but they want to tap into some of these, they, they, they want to get this consistent standard in their own marking, whatever subject it is, and across their department. Where should teachers start with this? One of the key things, and I'm sure a lot of heads of departments who are listening to this will empathise, is that you need a leadership team who will give you time to do it. Mm. To sit down 
with your team mm. and talk about these things. Yes. You know, I was always saying to the head, please, can we have some time on the inset day when we're not all sat in the hall, but actually when we're, give us a full day to sit down with some kids' work and, mm. and just go through it as a team. Yes. And that, that thing we were talking about earlier of looking at students' marked work and just really trying to work out how can we how can we get this consistent across the team? Yes. I mean, getting a leadership team that will give you time to do that, I think is is really important. I think you're right. And it's time dedicated to that and not bogged down with the usual nonsense that often these the this departmental time gets, Absolutely. gets sucked up in. Well, Ryan, this has been again a, another revelation to me. This um you could not pay me to be an English teacher. I find it hard enough with math, so I'm gonna stick with that for now. You have my deepest sympathies, <laughs> but thanks so much for your time. Thanks a lot for having me. Well, I'm certainly appreciating the importance of standardising marking across departments. But it's also interesting to hear there is sometimes merit in adding a bit of your own human judgement to classroom marking too. If you want some extra homework, you'll find the top benefits of using teacher standardisation for your NEA subjects in the podcast show notes. And episode 6 of series 1 on grade boundaries might be interesting after today's chats too. I'll be back in a fortnight to learn more tricks of the teacher trade. But in the meantime, make sure you rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can also join the conversation and ask your own questions on Twitter using hashtag InsideExams. Until next time, goodbye.